Hello everybody, gonna try this again. Hello everybody, Matt Ardman here with another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio, where you find your plethora of programming each and every week. Ah, we got a lot to talk about. We've got the clash at the Coliseum, my thoughts on that. The condensed speed weeks that starts tonight as I'm recording this. Um, instead of a full week of racing at Daytona, we've got it condensed in four days. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, the entry list is out for Daytona. We'll talk about the the surprising sponsor for that Jones boy, Eric Jones. Um, what? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, we also got um, the entry list for the, the truck race, including one surprising addition and one surprising omission uh, with a team. Um, uh, we also got, uh, you know, just a lot of thoughts to unpack. We got talking Denny Hamlin's uh, new podcast, um, my thoughts on that, and um, so on and so on. But before we get to everything, um, since we're going to be talking Eric Jones and his surprising sponsor in a name of a rock and roll band. We're going to turn back the clock to 1999, where Square D and Herman the German, Kevin E. Wallace, um, featured this whole rock and roll Hall of Fame band on his car for Phoenix that year, his cup car. What was the band answer later in the show? Alright, so, um, just gonna dive right in. Um, we had the Clash of the Coliseum a few weeks ago. Um, a traditional, um, venue, uh, for, uh, to kind of kick off the preseason. It was always the Clash, then qualifying at Daytona, but, um, the last two years, the Clash has been held at um, the L.A. Coliseum, where we saw 36 cars that were entered into the Clash uh, that would race their way in uh, for one of the 27 spots in the main event. Uh, and there was a lot of beating and banging, but in the end, saw Martin Truex Jr. best uh Richard Childress Racing teammates Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch uh, for the win. Um, this was kind of a, a, a big a big win for Martin uh, coming off a 2022 where there were rumors of his retirement. Uh, it had been the first time he has gone winless um, in many years. And, um, you know, not to mention the stuff going on in his personal life with his separation from Sherry Pollux. I mean, this win was... I, I, I will say I, I'm i not a huge Martin Truex Jr. fan. Um, he is from Jersey. Um, I do have... I will say I do kind of have a soft spot for him. But at the same time, I'm not a huge Martin Truex Jr. fan. I kind of fell out of that. 
um, many years ago. But I, I was I was genuinely happy for his win. Um, it showed that the 19 team uh, has not gone anywhere. They just kind of I I, I want to say they almost kind of took a break. <laughs> like they needed that. They just kind of got played out. But uh, the story of the race wasn't Martin Truex Jr. wasn't Kyle Busch. Uh, looking to win his debut for Richard Childress Racing. It wasn't even um, Kevin Harvick in his final Bush clash uh, trying to pick up a win. It was the cautions. Uh, last year's clash at the Coliseum event only saw five cautions uh, throughout the main event. This year we saw 16 cautions. 16 on a quarter mile track. Um, they were going slower than the speed limit going through West Cassett, Maine during tourist season. Uh, for those of you who get that reference, that's pretty damn slow. Uh, it's... Um, it, it, it was bad. It was a it was a poor showing, a, a very um, disastrous showing. I want to say I, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled at the product that I saw. Uh, and right around race time, we had the uh, our, excuse me while I light this. Actually, hold off on lighting that for a second because I want to finish my talk. Um, we had uh, the announcement that California Speedway, after they close up um, after this year's uh, Pala Casino 400 or 500, they will be um, tearing up the track to turn it from a two mile oval, which it was built back in the mid-90s to open for the 1997 season, they will be tearing it up, turning it into a half-mile short track oval, and there is a strong possibility that it will not be ready for 2014 nor 2015. Um, it's already been confirmed that it will not be on the 2000, uh, not 2014, 2000. 24 schedule will not be on and the possibility of the 2025 schedule which has led to speculation that NASCAR uh, may turn next year's clash at the Coliseum into a points race. Now that idea has been not very well received um, especially after what we saw um, at this year's um, at this year's clash. Now, I, I wholeheartedly agree that the clash should not be a points race, should not count towards anything. Uh, it's just a straight up exhibition uh, that it was meant for. Uh, I will go one step further. I'm agreeing with a lot of the long time fans, long time fans, uh, fans that have been as uh, been rooting for NASCAR just as long as I have, if not longer, uh, that agree that the field was way too big this year. 
um, that it should be meant for just the pole position winners, which when, um, I apologize for, for the sounds that you hear here in the car, it's just, the roads are not cooperative with me today. But anyway, um, that the, it was a, a added bonus to winning a pole the previous season. Um, now the exhibition has become anybody with a charter can enter, um, which is not the way it's supposed to be, and I, I wholeheartedly disagree with um, having all these entries, because you dilute the product. Um, and you'll be diluting it even further by making this a points race. Um, I, I wasn't sold uh, with moving it to the Coliseum in last season. But last season, I, I think we saw a, a better race, per se. I mean, there wasn't a bunch of bumping and banging and spinning everybody out like we saw in this year's. It was more of kind of a follow-the-leader type thing. But at the same time, I think that... Um, A lot of that happened to be, you know, drivers getting used to the new car in race conditions uh, this year. I think they felt a little comfortable and decided to take risks. But I, I, I firmly believe that this was not a, a great event at all. Um, I, I will say one of the highlights for me, I think, was actually more the the presentation than the actual race. Um, drivers entering through the Coliseum steps at, as their teams, not as individuals. I thought that was cool. Um, Cypress Hill, I thought was good. Um, but, you know, usually I don't say I have, I have a bad word about Cypress Hill. I, I actually kind of dig Cypress Hill. Probably not as much as I did as I was a, a rowdy teenager, but um, I, I dig Cypress Hill a little. It, was, it seemed like a little nod to my youth. Um, Wiz Khalifa at the halftime break, yeah, really didn't. I really didn't feel it, but I, I, I totally understand that uh, for TV time and for fans, you got to do something during that halftime break, um, as it's not a traditional event and it's not a traditional track. So. Um, with that said, um, the the clash was more a presentation race than it was an actual um, true event. Um, so I I I really hope that this does not become a thing. Um, I prefer to see something like this, maybe. And and I'll be honest with you, if you're gonna have 36 cars, maybe do what they did a few years back run this um, either prior to the um, 24 hours of Daytona or right after the 24 hours of Daytona, you know, given the fact that they've taken a couple of weeks to run this on the road course, I think that would be more interesting and more fun for fans and everything else. Um, so that's kind of where I am on the clash now um 
moving on we have the Daytona 500 coming up we have qualifying that is like I said as I record later on today tonight I should say and we have 42 cars vying for 40 spots um, with six um, open entries um, you know we've already talked about Travis Pastrana in the third um, 2311 car the 67 um, Black Rifle Coffee Toyota Camry we have Jimmy Johnson and the Carvana Camaro for Legacy Motor Group those are two we also have others like Austin Hill will be competing in the 62 Beard Motorsports Chevrolet uh, with uh, longtime sponsor Bennett Trucking joining him. Um, there is also um, Chandler Smith will be competing uh, in a third college racing entry where he threw up the fastest time in the first practice. Uh, Zane Smith in a third uh, front row motorsports entry. And there's an interesting story on Zane Smith in front row motorsports, which we'll talk to in a sec, which has kind of got some people up in arms. Um, <coughs> but we have, we have those drivers. We have um, two more drivers. That I, I'll, I'll be damned. I can't think of their names. Got both. The, well, I'm trying to go through right now. Um, both the Smiths, Jimmy Pastrana, Hill. Only got one more driver, and I, and I can't think of who it is off the top of my head. But uh, you know, it, it, it's not a bad field, and there's already people, you know, longtime fans going, "Why are why are we not starting 42 or 43 cars for the Daytona 500?" when we used to have fields of um, 43 cars for these races. So this way, nobody goes home. Um, the I, I kind of dig the idea of 40 cars right now. I think it's a good even number. Um, so you actually do have some drama with these qualifying and with these qualifiers. Um, the same at all the tracks because you're not going to get 42 cars to every race this season. Um, certain races you are going to get um, more cars than there are spots in the field. Um, certain races will actually, let's be honest, do struggle to get that. Uh, back in the day we actually had races where you would only get 35, 36 cars going to the track. Uh, which meant everybody getting into the field. So I think 40 is a good number. It, it's it's between what you know we would get and what we do get. I mean, long gone are the days where you would actually have 50 cars showing up at Daytona for the 43 spots. Um, I think one year I want to say there was almost 60. Um, but with this new car and. Um, the new rules and everything else and um, ARCA not running the same the same bodies, the same everything as the cup cars. Without them being ex-cup cars, let's be realistic, you don't have um, 
all these people. Uh, so, you know, your days of a Mark Thompson or a Norm Benning or a um, Jason Jarrett or whoever um, from the Arca series, uh, they would not be competing, um, trying to get into both races. Um, obviously, it's a cost thing. It's... Um, you know, it's a body style thing, and it, it, it definitely gets the focus away. Um, but my, oh, oh, now I thought of the sixth open driver. Wow, duh. Uh, it's Connor Daly, uh, driver for um, Floyd Mayweather's TMT Racing, um, the team that Helio Castro Neves was rumored to go to uh, at one point uh, for the Daytona 500. But I'm gonna kind of give my picks on who is going to be the two go-or-go-homers, and we'll go back to this later on. Um, my picks are, I think, that Connor Daly will not make the race. I think TMT making the race last year uh, was kind of a fluke with Cash Grella, um, but Grella did, did have experience at Daytona. Uh, does, he, matter of fact, still does have experience at Daytona. He has won a truck race there in the past. Um, this year, he does. They are not um, entering Growl into this ride. This is Connor Daly, an IndyCar driver with no Super Speedway experience and uh, limited NASCAR experience. So I see that really hurting this team, uh, especially a team that only that only ran a handful of races this year or last year, in their first year, uh, I see this being a big shot in the foot. Um, I also see, um, I'm, I'm torn between saying Austin Hill or Chandler Smith going home. I know Smith has shown speed uh, this year um, in that college racing entry in the first practice, but I think that practice time uh, won't hold up as 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 some of their some of the um, some of the other cars were just kind of they weren't in full blown qualifying trim and uh, that that kind of offsets what they wanted to do. Um, so I I don't have real high hopes for Chandler Smith. Um, I know that he's going to be running the Xfinity Series for college racing, but I think him jumping in, getting his feet wet in the Cup Series, especially in this bigger race, is going to be a detriment to him and that team um, as they're looking with future hopes to expand with three-car team. Um, but I, I will say I think the biggest wild card out there is Austin Hill. It isn't Chandler Smith. It isn't even Connor Daly. It's Travis Pastrana. Um, Travis, who last competed in... Never competed in a cup race before in his life. Um, hasn't competed at Daytona since he ran a single full season uh, for Roush Racing, where he did have two great qualifying sessions... Uh, for both the Daytona races um, in the Xfinity Series for Roush, um, but finished neither race, um, was wrecked out early, um, 
and this was apples to oranges, I know, but I think Travis definitely is not afraid to go full throttle with this. Um, and I think that the Toyota uh, teams are, are deceptively strong at Daytona. Um, they may have the smallest contingent of the three manufacturers, but I think that um, they, they are they are definitely strong, especially with um, TRD and Joe Gibbs Racing helping out 2311. Um, and uh, so I, I think that they are um, a good possibility of making the race. Um, it all it all comes down to Travis's shoulders and what they can do with that team. Uh, so. I think that's where the biggest issue lies right now uh, with that 67 entry is how much of that uh, burden can Travis Pastrana's shoulder. Um, and, and the thing, not only is this his first uh, cup race, this is his first Daytona 500, uh, this is something he wants to get off his bucket list, but this is also a guy who at this point in his career, in his life, he's scaling back some of his racing. He's um, cut back on his rally racing. He's cut back on his powerboat racing. He wants to run some of these races um, in NASCAR, you know, pick and choose. He, he wants to have, like, he wants to make his own schedule to spend time with his, his wife, Lindsay, and his young child. Um, also, you know, he's been honest, you know, the the passing of two of his friends, one of them being Ken Block, is kind of weighed on him, kind of, um, you know, take in a lot more. So, um, you know, Travis Pastrana is probably the biggest X factor and probably will be the biggest story if he makes the Daytona 500, kind of like how Jacques Villeneuve um, made the story in last year's Daytona 500. He was kind of that... Um, outside the box uh, story. Uh, so, uh, you know, one driver who certainly doesn't have to worry about that is Jimmy Johnson as the seven-time Cup Series champion, former Daytona 500 winner, uh, and, and bona fide Hall of Famer uh, is looking to make that. And uh, he's making that with, uh, with a new team, Legacy Motorsports Group and two new teammates. Um, Noah Gregson with the Wendy's Colors returning in 2023. Last year he drove him for Beard Motorsports at Talladega. Uh, this year he will be driving the black and white and red Wendy's car. Um, which actually looks really sharp. Um, I'm actually kind of, I'm actually really excited to see uh, this. And uh, teammate Eric Jones, uh, who last year for Petty GMS gave him their lone win in the Southern 500. Uh, he will be competing this year's Daytona 500, trying to get the 43 back to victory lane at the Great American Race. Uh, with, with, with a very unique sponsor. And I actually had to look this up when I saw it on the entry list. 
as Eric Jones will be competing in the number 43 Guns N' Roses Chevrolet. Yes, you heard that right. Guns N' Roses. Um, the band behind songs like Welcome to the Jungle and Night Train and November Rain and Don't Cry and so, so many hits. Uh, they will be featured on the 43 Cup car for Eric Jones and oh my, like I said, I, I thought this was a joke, I thought it was a rumor, um, but that, but Axl Rose and Slash and Duff will be represented in the Daytona 500 and I'm actually, I, 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 uh, last year uh, when they debuted the car, the next gen car, I was like, you know, I, I'm, I doubt I'm gonna go all in on buying diecasts of this. Uh, I only bought one diecast last year um, with the next gen car, and that was um, Noah Gregson's um, Wendy's biggie bag car. Um, for some reason, that one stood out to me. It actually looked really cool um, with the with the new design of the car and the number and everything else. I thought it worked very well. Um, Eric Jones is um, Daytona 500 car. This Guns N' Roses one, I will say, maybe my second ever. Um, next-gen car. I, I, I really dig this. It, it's not too flashy. It's not too bold. Black with the gold letter, Guns N' Roses lettering. Um, some roses on the bottom of the car. Then the epitomous uh, GNR logo on the hood. So, I was very, very excited for this. Very happy to see it. Um, so, I, I, I will say that, um, I'm looking forward to seeing this car and knowing that it'll definitely make the Daytona 500. I'm really psyched for. Um, in other news, we have um, the Xfinity race has not released their entry list yet. I expect that later on today. Uh, so I really can't speak on that. But the truck race has some interest to it. Excuse me. That's all I cigarette. As we see that uh, Travis Pastrana, who who will be competing for 2311 Racing and the Daytona 500, will be doing double duty this weekend as he will be competing in the Truck Series race again um, for long time. Um, for a guy he's had a long time affiliation, at least in NASCAR with, as he will be competing with um, Al Nice and Nice Motorsports for um, for the Next Era Energy 250, which is still a mouthful to say. Let's just say the, the whatever, I think it was what, Florida Lottery? I, I don't know. But the next era, Energy 250, um, with Al Nice, um, I'm assuming it's probably going to be like Black Rifle or something on the truck, uh, as Black Rifle's one of Travis's partners in his whole deal. Um, but it, but it's good, that especially with you know 
with Travis kind of if he does make um, the Daytona 500 this gives him extra seat time to kind of learn the track more kind of get ready for um, the 500 a little more like I said a little more seat time a little more everything will really help and I think that this is a good move obviously it's apples to oranges as he's going to be running a Chevrolet Silverado in the truck series and a um, <coughs> Toyota Camry in the cup series but I feel that this is a very very um, good way to get seat time um, and which is especially for a driver that doesn't have a lot it is paramount and it is amazing to get that apologize to the little cobblestone sounds that you hear me driving over uh, they are doing construction here and redoing a bridge so they put up these little speed bump cobblestone things anyway um so there is travis pastrana another interesting turn of events as fan favorite and favorite of the show norm benning will be competing in this year's um next to era 250 uh trying to make the race uh just not with his own team this year uh, he will be competing in the number 46 Toyota Tundra for uh, GTG Racing, uh, the the ride that uh, Johnny Soda was linked up to. Uh, as it was announced that Soda will not be competing in this year's um, Truck Series race in that normal get the spot, um, which which is. I, I, I gotta say, I am a Norm Benning fan, um, but I've had, I've struggled with this because um, Norm, with all due respect, was not going to make the Daytona 500, or the, the next year 250. Uh, his truck would have been one of those that would have gone home unless he really lucked in on qualifying. Um, but with that said, he, um, he did not, um, he, uh, you know, he would not, um, he, he has had some decent runs, uh, over the years, but that was due to, like, half the field wrecking out, um, and the 46 truck, he, it doesn't fare much better, um, I think that, this, if anything, is a lateral move. Um, you know, it's just Norm's not supplying his own equipment and crew and everything else. Uh, this would be on the 46 team. That's the only benefit I see. Uh, granted, I don't have a whole lot of insight into this deal, why it was made, um, you know, what, what benefit there is to either. Um, <coughs> I... I I, I do, I do know that, uh, that it's not something I would have, you know, I would have expected. I mean, this really did come out of left field, um, but at the same time, I mean, I really, I, I don't know what to expect in this, uh, in this, um, 
this deal. So uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of confused by it, um, but at the same time I'm not. I mean, we've seen all sorts of crazy deals at Daytona. We once saw Mark Martin driving a uh, a a number 32 Chevrolet um, back in his Roush days, um, qualifying Dale Jarrett's uh, uh, Chevrolet back in the early 90s um, for uh, for DJR and um, I think that uh, that this is like I said this is kind of a lateral move for for the teams and for um, but it still makes for some strange bedfellows I'm not gonna deny that uh, one bit so um, as for what will happen you know we'll have to wait and see um, with with all that um, but as far as norm I don't I don't have any clue I know that sometimes I'll I'll be able to break some news not a whole lot but this one I have no clue on I'm not gonna pretend I do have a clue um, but I just kind of really am mystified by this so uh, I don't know um, other quick hits that I saw um, Nick Sanchez uh, will make Rev Racing's uh, truck series debut um, in the two truck with Gainsbridge as the sponsor so we'll see how that goes um, other other quick hits real quick um, we had the sad news that during right around uh, clash weekend we had the passing of both Trevor boys a former uh, truck series, uh, not truck series, cup series driver from 1982 to 1989. Uh, Trevor competed, uh, for many, he was a journeyman, but mainly competed for, uh, oh crap, uh, James Hilton's team. I'm Hilton McCaig, uh, sponsored number 48, uh, car on the cup series, um, he was out of Canada, where after 1989, he kind of retired and went into working in construction and whatnot, uh, but the news that he had passed away, uh, was, was certainly send for a lot of fans of independent drivers and, uh, the low-budget teams, um, also, we also had the passing of Martha Jarrett. Uh, the longtime wife of Ned Jarrett and father of both Glenn Jarrett, former uh, driver in the Bush and Cup series, along as long with being a longtime um, pit road reporter for MRN, and his brother, which some of you may have heard of, um, 
a two-time Daytona 500 winner, a three-time Daytona 500 winner, I take that back, and a former Cup Series champion, uh, the one and only Dale Jarrett. Um, you know, and Martha, who was famously seen on uh, CBS uh, cheering on her son in 1993 as her husband was calling the race um, from the race booth. Uh, one of, Probably one of the most memorable moments in NASCAR um, history. Uh, the history of NASCAR and television, definitely. But definitely one of the most memorable moments. Um, Ned, who was the consummate professional, uh, a true gentleman, um, trying to be partial, but yet being impartial as he was watching his son not only um, trying to win his first Daytona 500, uh, getting caught in the excitement, but also that was the first win ever for Joe Gibbs Racing. A uh, it started. It started with that Daytona 500 win. Went on to five championships, um, four Daytona 500s, countless wins throughout NASCAR. I mean, it all started with that one moment, and Martha Jarrett was there cheering on her son in the garage, and. It was certainly a moment longtime fans will never forget. So, um, you know, certainly both Trevor Boys and Martha Jarrett have certainly etched um, their names into the memory of longtime fans, and they'll never be forgotten. And obviously, prayers and thoughts are with um, the Jarrett and Boys families. Um, but uh, we do have a little bit of business here to clear up. We were talking about Guns N' Roses earlier, and I asked the Pop Quiznos, uh, who was the Hall of Fame rock and roll band that was prominently featured on Kenny Wallace in the Square D um, Chevrolet at Phoenix in 1999. And that band is from not far from me, about... Two and a half, three hours, um, originally emanating out of Boston, Massachusetts. They are the one and only America's rock and roll band. They are Aerosmith, as the Steven Tyler and Joe Perry fronted band uh, was prominently featured on the, um, the car at Phoenix. Uh, and and it was it was a snazzy looking car, uh, featured the Aerosmith winged logo across the hood, and uh, featured into the paint scheme on the sides of the car. Uh, wouldn't wasn't the first time that a rock and roll band had been featured on the car, and certainly not the last, but certainly was the most prominent. We would go and see bands like. Slayer and um, Kill Switch Engage and Megadeth, along with Pitbull, um, 
Dolly Parton, <coughs> Kid Rock, and even last year with Bailey Curry running um, the Ghost Car for the for the band Ghost um, featured on their car. So um, Guns N' Roses is not alone. I mean, we've even seen Metallica on there with their. Um, Guitar Hero Metallica game, and the same with the Beatles with uh, Beatles Rock Band. Um, but that was really the most prominent one uh, to feature a band on there. Um, so there you go. Uh, look forward to watching a lot of racing condensed into one week, uh, into four days. Um, gone are the days of a true speed week where we would have practices, um, qualifying on a Sunday leading up to the next week oh, of the Daytona 500. Now we got it all condensed into four days, um, and we're kicking off the four days right with a brand new episode, uh, that, um, will be dropping probably... By the time we settle on who will be the poll winner for the 2023 Daytona 500. Anyway, I am Matt Hardman. This is the Race Nerd Podcast. I will see you next week where we will talk about who is crowned the 2023 Daytona 500 champion. And who starts off NASCAR's 75th anniversary season as the guy at the top of the points. Until then... I'm Matt Hardman, and I will see you at the track. Bye, everybody.